Welcome back to another episode of the Marketing Mindset Podcast, where we believe that in order to grow a successful business, you need just two things, the right marketing strategies and the right mindset. I am your host, Maria Benz, and I am the founder of MBM Agency, a digital marketing company who helps service-based businesses grow their revenue using online strategies. And I am here to share with you all of my tips and pointers every single week when it comes to digital marketing and business growth. Today's episode is sponsored by our premium Wix templates. If you're totally stumped on how to build your own website, but can't afford to hire a designer, that does not mean that you should skip out on the important things in the process like professional design, sales formula copywriting, and search engine optimization. Our premium Wix website templates are created with marketing and sales in mind. And the best part is that you can have a professional looking and functional website in just under 24 hours. Our website templates are completely stress-free. They're easy to use, so that means no Photoshop or coding required. They are designed to convert based on our signature homepage formula, and they are ready to launch as soon as you are done designing. So if you want to check this out, get it at mbmagency.com forward slash shop and use the discount code mindset to get 30% off. All right, guys, welcome back to the show today. I have Andrew Lee Miller with us today, also known as Andrew Startups. He is a startup marketer who has been traveling around the world, working with early stage companies for the past 15 years. After driving growth for three multi-million dollar startup exits, including a 500 startup project in San Francisco, he became a full-time growth consultant via his company, Growth Experts. Andrew's specialty lies in helping companies scale efficiently with in the early stages in both growth coaching and remote consultancy. He's written for Inc. Magazine, Startup Grind, and Startup Nation. Andrew has also been a prolific digital nomad who in the last decade has visited, lived, and worked in over 70 countries. Welcome to the show. I love your bio. I'm so excited to learn more about you. Hey, Maria. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. So tell me about yourself before we kind of get started into um, startups. Tell me about you and your entrepreneurial journey and how did you get to where you are today? Oh, wow. So I didn't really ever think of myself as an entrepreneur until the coronavirus hit, seriously. But, <laughs> but, I've been, but in, when I look back, I've really been working for myself since I was 16. When I, was, when I first got my first car, I was like washing my car a lot, you know, as teen men think they're cool and do. And someone came by, I was like, hey, I'll pay you to wash my car. And I was like, okay. And then I turned that into a business. And so my first company was an auto detailing business called Mr. Meticulous. And I scaled that up to not needing to go to college, but then still went to college because my parents were going to kill me if I did it. Um, but then, then in college, I had a video SaaS, video resume SaaS company before it was called SaaS. And so I guess I've been an entrepreneur for a while. Like I didn't really ever, but you, you know, like to be a successful entrepreneur is different than just being an entrepreneur. You really have to be in the right mindset of, you know, having work-life balance, you know, putting your project first, but also taking care of yourself, you know, like being passionate enough to not really track the hours that you're working stuff. And um, I think a lot of you know, reaching out to mentors, focusing on partnerships, look deep doing the things you're not great at, you know, 
lot of that stuff I wasn't really focused on until this year. But uh, but I've been dabbling for a long time. I think when I when that SaaS company in college started to do well, I really realized that I sucked at all the other stuff besides marketing. And that's when I really was like, oh, I'm going to take a step back from this business owner thing and really help other business owners by doing what I know I'm best at, which is the growth and the marketing um, at the early stage. So for the past for the past 15 years since that college project. Um, that's what I've done. And only since the third exit that I really like start to consult and work with different projects, but I still didn't really think of myself as an entrepreneur until coronavirus hit. And I actually founded my own startup. And now I'm actually like, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going for it. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I think it's super cool. You've worked in over 70 countries. I feel like that's so many people's like bucket list to travel that much. Right. How, um, what has been your favorite country that you visited so far? Favorite country is tough, but honestly, South Africa is the best country I've ever been to. I think like as an American who loves Africa, I've hitchhiked across Ethiopia. I've spent a lot of time in Kenya, Uganda, Nigeria, uh, Egypt. I can't even think of all the, uh, Morocco, Algeria, but South Africa is like literally a copycat of the U.S. with tons of African culture infused into it. So the infrastructure of the U.S., you know, language, but the prices are way different. Everything is super high quality, super cheap, and everyone speaks English. So great infrastructure and no digital nomads. So like nobody even like they're like flabbergasted that you even live there by choice. Like so it's a great, great oh, wow. experience to live as opposed to, you know, most people's answers are going to be like Bali is the best or Chiang Mai, Thailand, which Chiang Mai is amazing. Bali's garbage. Don't ever go there if you're listening really? to this. <laughs> Oh, it's just like, it's, you might as well just go to LA if you want to go to Bali. It's, it's fake wow, digital nomad spot, but, um, but yeah, in Johannesburg, South Africa, and then Cape Town are just incredible places. And I could go on forever, but that's my number one country probably. That's really interesting. So um, specifically like living there, it's a lot easier for an American to like infuse it with the culture. Yeah. So again, I mean, I'm a dude, so it's a little bit different. I mean, they have, they have um uh, you know not to be like gloomy on this podcast but it's not the safest place for a solo female traveler and mm. you know I'm pretty deep in the travel game so I'm very knowledgeable about like what not to do like the way I dress and what I carry on me and you know like I naturally make good decisions about go walking this direction at night and you can't really do those random things in Johannesburg but the bottom line is all the stuff that people say about the danger and the the crime rate i mean i lived in san francisco i had a gun put to my head for my my necklace while i was at the gas station in bro not broad daylight but well lit with cameras and everything so i feel like in the u.s we don't harp on how dangerous certain places are enough and in south africa they harp on it too much and it's not statistically mm. accurate so uh, from me to you, whoever's listening, South Africa is an amazing place. And another digital nomad, Andrew McDermott, who's also really famous in the digital nomad world and prolific. He was like, dude, you got to stop going all these other places. You have to go to South Africa. I feel your energy here, like that whole vibe. And I went and I met my partner and she's here with me in, South, uh, in Mexico. We've been traveling for a year. And he was like, he really was right. South Africa is great. But that, but uh, on the same thing, you know, like if safety is a huge thing, I recommend Korea. Korea has the fastest internet in the world. Unbelievably safe. Um, Prague is incredible. If you like, you know, like the four seasons and, and 
um, you know, white people. It's not super diverse, but um, I really value diversity a lot. So my favorite city in the U.S., for anybody that's wondering, I also traveled like every state in the U.S. I did a huge road trip three or four years in a row. And Oakland, California is the best city in America. Really? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I did not expect that. I mean, I'm originally from California. Um, Where? Not, I'm not very familiar with Oakland area. I'm more South, South California. Um, but I was, I was like, I don't know, totally expecting some random. <laughs> no, Oakland is the best because, well, it's, it's a lot of super educated Americans because you have like Stanford and Berkeley and, you know, all these universities there. So the average American there like speaks multiple languages, has been exposed to a lot of culture and they're just like really doing interesting things with their life, but it's not San Francisco with like terrible lack of diversity and homelessness issues. There mm -hmm. are homelessness issues in, in Oakland because they've displaced a lot of the, the original black inhabitants of the town, which is really sad, but it's, it's a lot of hyper growth that's happened because of being close to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. but, um, but long story short, like the diversity and the energy of the place are just second to none. Awesome. actually right one of my favorite places in the whole world but oh that's so awesome i love i love hearing all this stuff um i'm like i could talk about this all day we can have the whole podcast yeah yeah, yeah. let's talk about startups <laughs> yes let's talk about Starbucks. or i almost said starbucks <laughs> Not that. shows no. you what i'm thinking of. um so today i want to talk about startups and why startups fail i feel like um with Corona happening, I think a lot of people's minds kind of shifted of like, oh, what can I do online? What can I do maybe on the side? I feel like maybe a lot of people's energies are shifting. And I feel like this is such a perfect topic. Um, but in regarding to startups failing and some of the struggles that they go through, what do you think is the biggest struggle that you see um, people go through in the very, very early stages of building a startup? So the first the actual real reason that startups fail is they give up. There's only two possible outcomes that can ever happen. You either win or you learn. And if you just keep learning, eventually you get closer to winning. But some people stop at that learning phase. Like, okay, I learned three times in a row. I don't use really the word failure. Most mm -hmm. startups, founders that are successful, they know that it's going to take seven years, five years to really be successful. So whatever happens along the way, I'm down to ride. So if you never give up and you just keep taking that data, you will never fail by definition because you'll just keep going until it works out. Um, now, having said that, it does take money and traction and a good idea and passion and a user base and value to actually, you know, you have to get be doing those things to get closer to winning. So the, the thing that I've seen that causes most startup founders to fail, quote unquote, or give up is by not prioritizing marketing soon enough, which is like the whole purpose of my entire career is to help them realize when to do marketing, what to focus on, how to do it efficiently, how to test it, how to scale it up. And all of those things, if you don't know all those things and you try to go at your own, especially if you're a first time founder, you're, you're in for a really rocky road mm -hmm. and you're going to have a lot of failure. And if you aren't ready or aren't passionate enough about what you're doing to continue, then you're going to give up and you're going to fail. So, you know, at the early stages, some things that really I hate to hear all the time is we're going to spend a couple grand on Facebook ads in a, in a month when the product is ready. And we're going to see what happens after that. You're going to fail if you say that almost all the time, because you don't know what landing pages work. You don't know what value props work. You don't know what um, verbiage in, in the text, you know, to, to use what people are responding to most, what channels you should spend that money on to what products you should be promoting or services, you know, all that stuff you need to figure out organically at the early stage of the business. 
and then layer on it. But a lot of founders just, they don't have marketing abilities. So they just run to Facebook ads because the ad platform does such a good job of promoting mm -hmm, to them. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the main reasons I see startups make, uh, making big mistakes. So when would you say, when do they need to really prioritize marketing and what should they start with? From idea stage. Absolutely. Like if you have the idea today, if you're listening to this podcast with Maria and me and you're like, well, I only have an idea. I don't want to do any marketing yet. Don't, I don't care how secretive you think you need to be. You don't need to be. You need to be the first mover. You need to create a landing page, secure the social media, name the business. Even if you're going to change it later, start posting on all your social media pages about the problem that you're going to solve have a um an email form when for beta testers um and throw a giveaway up like we're going to give away one lifetime access to the product once we're live it can sign up to get to in the running and you know you're posting every day on social media you're using different tools to monitor social media engage find partnerships find potential early employees partners investors all these things that you can do while developing the product with nothing but a landing page and some social media handles up and by the time you launch, you can have 1,000 or 1,500 or even 200 beta testers lined up to test your product. You've gotten an older domain name. Your SEO is better. Mm -hmm. You've got first mover advantage, potential employees, partners, VCs. Everybody knows that you, who you are, what you're building, um, and you're just in a much better position. Now, the problem is 90% of founders think, oh, my idea is going to get copied because I'm not a... I'm not a developer, so I don't have proprietary. Well, when you launch, eventually you're going to get copied then. So you might as well get that first mover advantage and not worry about that and move forward. Yeah. So I think there's never a time when you shouldn't do some kind of marketing. It's just like there's a lot more than just a launch. And that's the problem is they think there's just launch and that's not true. So, you know, it's what, what can you do pre-launch that can start building awareness for what you're building? And what can you do post-launch that um, is going to not cost you money? And that's that's really what I teach a lot of. I really love how you mentioned um, to not keep it a secret because I have noticed, I feel like that's such a common threat, like theme with people that they want to keep it a secret for whatever reason. And they think that, oh, when they announce it, it's going to be a whole thing. And I've noticed, and I made this mistake, if I'm, if I'm being honest with our podcast, like I had these big goals, which I did reach our goals, like certain rankings and stuff when we launched, but I think we could have done even way better if I talked about it early on and kind of build up the hype before we launched. Cause I think I announced like, I don't know, a week or two before we launched. And I have noticed kind of being in business, it's like the more you start there, the earlier you start talking about it, the more people will start hearing it, remembering it, get hyped up with you. Yeah. Why do you think, I mean, you kind of mentioned it that they don't want to get copied, but why else do you think people want to keep it a secret? It's, it's, that's it. They just think they're going to get copied and they don't, they're, you know, this is only really first time founders that really feel like that. Once you've launched a startup, you don't give a shit. You know, yeah. if you've been in startups for a while, you know, the idea is absolutely worthless. Let me say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> Your idea is worthless. Your idea is worthless. I had the idea for um, an Airbnb for hot tubs in San Francisco, like four years ago, I built it like halfway with a guy, went to a conference and they asked for the craziest idea. And I stood up on stage and talked about it. And it's like 200 entrepreneurs, everybody laughed and people came up to me like, oh, I wanna, let's build that together. I found a guy, we ended up not launching it. Somebody has launched something like that during coronavirus for pools and jacuzzis. And they're making like hundreds of thousands of dollars a month now with that tool. But, um, you know, like, so you gotta talk about it. And I think that the thing is first time founders think that they're going to get ripped off. And especially if they don't have the tech 
abilities to build it. I'll never forget, I was giving a talk in South Africa last year and a guy just kept asking tons of questions and throughout my talk, which is totally fine. I love it. But I was like, stand up and tell us about your project. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's an ad tech thing. I'm, I'm going to get ripped off. And I was like, you're going to fail. And then he was like, what? And I was like, you're going to fail with that mindset. Like, this, that's the name of this podcast, right? Marketing mm-hmm. mindset. Your marketing mindset, you need to be aggressive and look at everything as a potential marketing opportunity from day one. And so think about all the opportunities you're missing out on. He missed out on an opportunity to pitch me his startup. And I, and I know for a fact, because he emailed me that he failed like six months later, um, he was like, how'd you know? And I was like, because you were, you had a scarce mentality of fear of, you know, like you can't let that um, guide you. It's got to be like, I'm doing this amazing thing that everybody needs to know about from day one. If that's not how you feel about your project, you're probably working on the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I love that you mentioned that being a web designer, I feel like I just have to throw it up there. One of the first things that you said that you should get started with is a landing page. And I want to expand a little bit of ask you why um, from like a non-biased point of view, because I go on an Instagram so often and you hear all these business coaches like, you don't need a website. You don't need a website. All you need is an Instagram page. So obviously I feel like I'm biased, but can you tell the they audience why that is wrong. important? Well, they are completely wrong. And those are for personal brands. Those are not for startups and businesses. So big difference from I'm an entrepreneur and I've got an Instagram that does vegan food delivery in Dallas, which is a close friend of mine. She does that. She makes tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, so, so, so enough to live off of without having a website or anything for years. No logo, nothing. Just really good food and videos and pictures and, a, and, a, and being a really good person. Um, so there's plenty of ways to make money without a website, but you'd be doing yourself a massive disservice to not have a, a physical property on everything. So every social media page, you know, if you're listening, it's like, I don't need to do TikTok. I don't have a TikTok, but, but I probably should because, you know, you, you can get a lead or a link or a click or a, a conversion from anywhere that you can put your business. So mm-hmm. anywhere is a link, anywhere is a potential um, high quality traffic source until you test it. So you can't do any of that, no analytics, you can't do any of that without a website. So throw the website up, doesn't matter if you're gonna change it, but at least you can put it in your bio on Instagram and it makes you look like a much more legitimate entrepreneur. Agreed. <laughs> how, how would someone know if their early stage marketing is working? Well, whatever your KPI or your major core metric is for your early stage marketing, you know, if your product's not launched, you probably don't really care about people going to your website, but you care about um, if they're going to sign up to your newsletter or so you might not look at overall traffic. You're just going to look at the total number of emails that you're getting in your pre-launch beta testers or something, or if um, so the waiting list or when the product is launched, I mean, it really depends on industry target demographic, what the business is, what you're selling. But, you know, I think conversions are a lot more than just sales. You should always be looking at your email subscribers, who's contacting your business, who's visiting main core pages of your site. If you're an application and you're a mobile mobile um, mobile app, you should be tracking, you know, um, uh, obviously installs, but install to reg is a really big um, uh, core metric for a lot of businesses because, you know, it's great if you're getting thousands of people to download the app, but if none of them are registering, you have a really big problem mm-hmm. in your user experience and your UI. Um, so that's, that's a big thing that people should work on. Um, but yeah, it really depends on the business. But the bottom line is if you see numbers going up for whatever pre-launch metric is, then it's working. That's awesome. 
How about if someone is starting out and they have a very, very low budget in regards to marketing, what would you recommend for them? I don't think you need a budget for marketing at the early stages. I literally don't think that's all I teach. So I have an online course that teaches how to do PR, how to do SEO, how to do email marketing, how to scale sales from your social media without growing your followers, how to do big online giveaways that get you 10, 15,000 email addresses that you can market to. Um, all of those things take nothing but blood, sweat, and tears. And that's like a lot of my career has been spent executing that for companies at the early stages. And then they get the traction to go raise money. And then with that raise money, then we start the paid advertising and scaling up a lot of the channels that we know have worked organically with either a full-time hire or hiring an agency or spending more money on that. For instance, you know, like if your content marketing works a lot, there's paid content distribution channels like Outbrain that you can put your content on the bottom of BBC and CNN and different sites like that. Um, but, but yeah, you don't need money. You know, like I always, you, this isn't recorded on video, but I always do like a graph when I present or teach that there's like an inverse correlation for, uh, you know, the left hand down at the bottom is, you know, your money when you're early stage startup and your right hand up high is the amount of time you have. Mm -hmm. So then you should go execute with a lot of time investment. And as you start to make more money, your time, ability goes down until you layer over that with more spend on your marketing. So in the beginning, you don't need money for marketing. You can focus on doing, you know, fast converting um, channels. You don't need to run to SEO. That's not going to work out. Content's not going to work out. Maria knows how long did it take for your podcast to take off? Like dozens and dozens of episodes to really get noticed. Mm -hmm. So if you think that you're going to launch with a podcast and it's going to blow you up, you're going to fail. You, you need to spend time on channels that are going to drive immediate interested customers. So the number one thing, no matter what business you are, is social media monitoring and social media marketing in the way that I call off-page social media marketing. So you've created these landing pages. You've created, I mean, the landing page, you've created your social media pages. Then you can go to TweetDeck or Hootsuite or whatever social media monitoring tool you want. And you can enter in a bunch of different hashtags and keywords and monitor anyone who's using these words. So let's say for Maria's business, you're a web design agency. Uh, if anybody posts, I need a new website worldwide, you can see them in real time on any platform. And then you can respond to them. Hey, we're doing websites. We're a brand new company. We're giving 50% off. Here's the discount. Here's a link to book a five minute chat with our CEO, whatever it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That has an unbelievable response rate because it's so much so valuable. It takes 10 seconds. I use a Google doc open, keep pasting a lot of those messages I send. So I have them as templates and we just constantly not berate or, um, you know, like to send a deluge of messages out, but mm -hmm. you know, 10, 20, 30 a day at the early stages. So on every social media channel, so you're checking hashtag need a, I need a new website on Instagram. You're checking, um, for posts on LinkedIn and then you're, you know, you're going on other channels and you're messaging people and you're figuring out what, value works, what channel works, what messaging, what people are interested in. And you're getting a lot of learning at the same time you're driving early business with no spend to, to your marketing. I love it. So you mentioned something a little bit ago that you work with um, and something that you've been doing that had me really interested. And I feel like our listeners would love this. So you mentioned doing giveaway strategies to grow your email list. Can mm -hmm. you chat a little bit more about that? What have you seen that works really well? Yeah, so there's a couple platforms out there. So a lot of people don't know that when you go and you do you enter in an online giveaway as an end user, when you enter your email address and then it goes to 
Uh, it says like follow these brands to get extra entries or whatever. Those are softwares. Those mm -hmm. are SaaS companies called Dojo Mojo and Viral Sweep. Those are incredible tools. You should tag the CEO of both of those on this post. They'll, they'll reshare this post, but totally overlooked, absolutely huge marketing potential if you know how to use those tools. And they're very, very, very inexpensive, like $50 a month. But um, the reason why those tools are great is because they can, you know, in one spot, find you partners for your giveaway, structure your giveaway, manage your giveaway, give you unique URLs for all the partners mm -hmm. to share it, create you a page for your giveaway, do all this stuff. But the main thing that they do, and giveaways are very difficult. Like it's not an easy thing to do to get 15,000 emails. It takes a month. It's like launching a Kickstarter campaign. But if you get 15,000 emails at the end of your campaign and it costs you, you know, just a bit of product, or maybe you, you know, you have a large email list, so you didn't even put up a prize. You can actually find other people to put up the prizes for the giveaway. It's a lot of time investment, but that 15,000 person email list, if you send them on a drip campaign, you're going to get 500 to 1,000 customers out of that for that one month of nothing but work and time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it didn't cost you any money. So giveaways are massive, massive things, especially for launch. I've got an example, a bunch of examples, but um, I had a client last year called Matt's Flights. Matt's Flights is a business that you subscribe for free and a dude named Matt in Florida sends emails out about the best deals on Google Flights. I'm sure he's hurting big time now, but we scaled him up massively last year to uh, I think a 1 million person email list just with wow. giveaways. So his whole business model um, is doing giveaways. So he puts up a prize for giveaways and he partners through Viral Sweep and Dojo Mojo with other companies that have very large email lists, but he's the prize partner. So $250 flight gift certificate with Matt's flights or whatever. And they partner with all these brands that have 1 million email lists, but they get the email list of anyone that enters. They grow his social media. Social media is like in the hundreds of thousands because to enter, get extra entries by following. So you grow your social media, but you also grow this email list. Then all he does every day is email those people the best deals that he finds. Literally, he's literally still looking on Google flights for the best deals in America for flights. And then, you know, like once in a while, he'll send a lifetime deal or a one-year deal for premium flight deals. So his best deals, he segments out for just, so that company makes tons of money. You know, it's undisclosed, none of my business, but hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from just doing that. So the giveaways are massive thing. I've got another client in my coaching program right now. So if you're a bootstrap founder and you don't have money for paid consulting and you don't have the time to do the execution yourself, I have a coaching program that actually I get an intern, give them my online course, and then I meet weekly with the company to train them and lead the marketing. So that's been a great thing. But so this skincare company is in my um, coaching program. They're called Camel Latte. They're the world's first camel milk skincare line. It's like a oh, incredible products. Yes, camel milk is like apparently known for thousands of years in the Middle East to be really good for your skin. And so they've just started selling this product in the U.S. and it's going viral for in time for Christmas. But uh, so they're doing giveaways where they're putting up their product. So $250 worth of product for giveaways. They're getting the email list after those competitions in, and then they're sending discount codes and follow-ups, drip emails to that list. And that's what's driving that business's growth. So giveaways is a totally overlooked channel. I don't even think it's in the top 10 courses that I've ever released because it's hard to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, but it really works. And if you, if you have a business that has a product specifically and you have a high margin then you should be doing giveaways because your cost is low, you can do these giveaways with a fantastic amount of product 
and you can just build an email list by just giving away your product. And then when you get a winner, sorry, when you get a winner, you can you get them to create content. They can write reviews for you and you can put them in ads, you know, so it helps with social mm-hmm. media, with link building, with all kinds of stuff. I think that's so good. I agree with you. I think giveaways are so overlooked. So the ones that you mentioned was Dojo Mojo and Viral Sweep. Is that correct? Yes. Those, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Because I feel like, I mean, I honestly haven't, you, I don't do giveaways very often, but I feel like at least the people that I'm connected with, I don't see them do it like this. I just see them, you know, follow me yeah, on Instagram, post the story. Below. Yeah. Yeah. Total and- waste. That's a waste. That's a waste. Social media followers as a conversion is a waste. Unless you are closing tons of business from your social media, which you're not, if you are comment below and tell me <laughs> I'm wrong, but, but, um, a lot of early stage founders, you know, Camelotte was one, we do weekly calls in my coaching program and they had something go viral on social media. And they're like, we gained a thousand social media followers this week. I'm like, but how much product did you sell? And they're like, well, not from social media, nothing. I'm like, so, you know, so it's great. And it is social proof. You know, you need a certain number of followers to convince users that you're a legitimate business and that people can trust you. That's what social proof is all about. So I agree that you should post regularly on your pages and stuff, but it shouldn't be a main focus for the early stage of your business. And the reasons are, Every platform is diluting your ability um, to pr- promote to people you fo- who follow you. So you're getting, you know, five to ten percent maximum engagement, maximum from your follower base. Um, you don't have a lot of followers in the beginning, so you know, like just spamming mm-hmm. and adding and following bulk following people is not going to really help. And uh, it's just like content marketing; it takes a long time for it to really take off and for people to catch on to. Every Tuesday, you do a live, and you, you know, you virtually. Um, audit someone's website or whatever it is, you know, so social media is a long-term strategy. It is possible that it's a user acquisition strategy, but it's unlikely that it's going to scale your business up in the first six months or so. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I feel like social media is very powerful, but it's such a long-term, um, long-term game. Right. Um, so when I was um, looking at your website and looking at your book um, page, so you had this very interesting quote that I wanted to mention, or more like a statistic, um, and I want to get your thoughts on this. So it says that a 60-year-old startup founder is three times more likely to succeed than a 30-year-old founder. Now, we have a lot of younger listeners here, so I wanted to get your thoughts. Why do you think that is so? So it's, it's, I don't think I just thought that. I think I shared an article with data. That's actually yes. research backed. And, but the reason are, the reason is because of that longevity that you need. A 22 year old or 30 year old, I know from experience myself, but also from working with lots of young founders is that, you know, they just pivot, they give up, they change, they, sh- they chase shiny things, or they get distracted by personal life, dating, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, having children, all, all that stuff. But the data shows that I think, you know, I'm forgetting the statistic off the top of my head, but something like 60% of founders that exit are over 40 nowadays. And um, that's in the tech world. So, you know, specifically, that's just because, you know, you need to fail a few times, first of all, to really get good at knowing what not to do. You know, like, just like I just said, I'm I'm in my late 30s. Yeah, late 30s. And I've been an entrepreneur my whole life and didn't even really feel it until now. Now I'm like, oh, I'm settled down. I don't need to party all night anymore. I don't need, I love waking up at six in the morning now. Never felt that way (laughs) earlier on. 
I also like staying in on Fridays to work on the things that I'm passionate about. Well, that's also thanks to coronavirus too, but, but, uh, but I never had that. And so I, you know, I'm just an example, but you know, San Francisco is one of the most lit places in the world. Like, especially when you have San Francisco, Oakland and Berkeley, all within a $20 Uber, it's highly socially distracting. And mm -hmm. most of the startup founders that are really making it there have moved from other places because their project is already taking off. And so there's, you definitely meet lots of younger founders there, but the majority that actually make it to exit are later in life. Mm -hmm. fact. I love this, such a common theme, I think within this episode and with so many entrepreneurs that I chat with is in order to succeed, you just got to keep going. Like we're all going to run into tough times, you know, things are going to happen that we didn't foresee. Things are going to become stressful, but as long as we keep going and like just working through it, we'll yeah. get to our success, whatever that looks like for us. Totally. Yeah. And you know, it sounds so cliche, but when you're in the mix and you really feel like giving up, like coronavirus really hurt my agency the first month. I wasn't, we were never a sales and marketing focused agency for ourselves. We always just had tons of inbound leads and work from VCs that I've helped their projects in San Francisco make millions of dollars, you know, uh, early stage incubators that know that I do good work. So they were always referring lots of work. So we never ran ads or never did any marketing. So we went from crushing it for five clients to zero immediately. And I immediately looked to sell the agency. I was like, you know what I want? I want to, like I said, I started a project of my own. Mm -hmm. I was like, I think I want to be a founder now and just spend the next year with that coronavirus bad working on something. And the guy, uh, the, the broker that was going to help me sell my company said the same thing. He's like, dude, I think you should just build this back up and sell it for a lot more. If you ever even want to sell it, like you'd be hurting yourself to give up now. Yeah. You know, like you put it, you put in five years of proving this business out and helping other people make millions. Like if you wait till you're doing really good again, you can make millions. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. That, I guess I should take some of my own advice there. Like not give up on this business that yeah. it is my most prized, not prized possession. It's my most prideful endeavor of my life is helping, helping other people. And so I also do pro bono work through the agency with female founders. We're, we're um, working right now with the early detection breast cancer awareness startup. Like this is my way of doing charity way more than I could mm -hmm. ever do yeah. if I just volunteer my time, like, you know, at a food shelter or something. So, um, so yeah, so I, that was a tangent, but I mean like, yeah, no, you can't ever give up on your dreams unless, you know, it's the same thing with investing. You don't ever take your money out of an investment unless you need it for something else. So you don't ever stop your project unless you become more passionate or mm. you see an ability to reach your goals or help more people with another thing, you know, that you want to work on. So, you know, timing is everything. And that's, you know, my agency was great for five years. We've helped lots of people. I mean, dozens of startups around the world, but then I actually, the business I created is a virtual corporate wellness solution. So my partner is a world leading expert in yoga, meditation, and corporate wellness. She's worked with tons of brands and hotels and resorts and all this stuff. And she has a, there's a gap between her and startups. So I was like, that's me. Yeah. So we created a company to focus on selling her and, and the huge network that we've built world-class providers in virtual stuff. So we're doing like virtual holiday parties, virtual retreats for the like a weekend retreats for companies and virtual corporate wellness. So like weekly yoga, meditation and gameplay classes. So like if I pivot to that, that's still me helping people and changing the world in a certain way, but I'm like still trying to do both. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that perspective that 
only move on, so to speak, if you have, if your passion involves and things like that. Um, So before we go, I know you have an awesome book coming out. Um, Do you mind sharing a little bit of that and where can people find it? Yeah, so the book is only on pre-order right now. If this episode's going to go live this week, then they can still pre-order it. Other than that, that will be not available for purchase until early next year. But it's called Zero Dollar Growth. It is all about every single channel that I've ever used to scale a business with no money at all. So how we've learned and uh, effectively done SEO for our own businesses without hiring an agency. 10 years ago, I had a world leading consultant teach me how to do this stuff. And I've done it over and over again for multi-million dollar businesses um, in less than a month, done their own SEO, uh, PR as well. Had a client 10 years ago that hired a $10,000 a month PR agency and I worked directly next to them, learned everything that they do and just learned how to do it myself. And I've over and over again executed it, gotten clients with no budget in Forbes, TechCrunch, Inc., Bustle, uh, GQ, all kinds of stuff, uh, 10 different, ten or 15 different channels. So the giveaway is exactly how to do that. Influencer mm-hmm. marketing, exactly how to give do giveaways without paying influence. I mean, do influencer marketing without paying influencers, just leveraging what you do have. Either you have a big audience or you have product to give them. Um, email marketing, content, like every channel that, that has ever worked. So the book specifically goes off of my online course as well. So mm-hmm. I have an online course that is available right now, but you need to be really good at executing yourself to, to purchase the online course. So if you're a founder that's listening to this and you've got some junior marketers on the team that don't necessarily know how to do a lot of this growth hacking stuff, buy the course, you will watch them just take off. And if you don't have that help with execution, my pride and joy is my coaching program. It's called the Andrew Startups Bootstrap Coaching Program. And basically in the coaching program, I get you an intern that I vet, I hire them, I source them, I manage them in your local area. Even though they work remotely, you have the ability to work with them wherever you are in the world. I find Mm -hmm. the closest university, find the, and there's an unpaid full-time junior marketer for three months. And the value for them is massive. The intern studies underneath me, learns all these growth hacking and marketing channels from me. I'm on Slack 24 seven working with them, telling them what to do, giving them advice, giving them examples from my career, templates from my career, access to my network of a thousand um, reporters, 250 podcasts, including Maria um, and uh, um, tons of VCs and all that stuff. So uh, uh, the coaching program is the best thing that I have going and for unfunded startups. And if they're interested, the best way they can find me is andrewstartups.com or on Instagram at andrewstartups or on Twitter at andrewstartups. Find me there and let's talk. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you need literally all of that. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Because a lot of our listeners are either, um, they have, they've had an existing business done really, really good with traditional marketing. They're just getting online trying to figure that out, or it's a newer business just starting getting online. So I feel like everything that you said, that those are like the basics of digital marketing Mm -hmm. that you need to need to know. Um, you know, Absolutely. you'll start with certain things, but you're going to, as you grow, you need literally all of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and they can just message me. If you, if you're wondering how this all ties into your business, you can literally just DM me on Instagram. I'll give you a free one minute video of advice back to you and see if I can help you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for helping me. Let it give me a platform to share. <laughs> no problem. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and leave us a review with your main takeaways from this episode. But thanks again for joining me today and I will catch you next time on the Marketing Mindset Podcast.